Welcome to the book club. I'm here with three of my students and we're going to be talking about the school for good and evil. Um, why don't each of you introduce yourselves and say something that you like to do besides reading? Uh, I'm Kara and I enjoy soccer. Hi, I'm Kami and I enjoy reading. Hi, my name is Emily and I like to sing. And like I said, the book that we're going to be reading, talking about today, is The School for Good and Evil. Uh, we always have a celebrity reader read a portion of this book. Who can say, uh, what is the section of the book that we're going to be hearing from and who's reading it? Um, my mom is reading chapter 11, When They Meet the Schoolmaster. Awesome. So we're going to hear that section of the book and then we'll come back and talk a little bit about what we enjoyed best about The School for Good and Evil. Enjoy. Silver letters on the wooden spines, a pencil, the singing bone, the thunder, a thumblina, the frogging, caparushes, the six swans. All the stories the children of Kavaldon used to drink up. She looked over at Agatha, who made the same discovery across the room. They were standing in the library of every fairy tale ever told. Agatha opened up the Beauty and the Beast to find it written in the same elegant script as the spine illustrated with vivid paintings like the ones in foyers of both schools. Then she opened up the Red Shoe, Donkey Skin and the Snow Queen and found that they were they too were written in the same regal, regal hand. Aggie, Agatha followed Sophie's gaze to the darkest part of the room. Through the shadows, she could make out a white stone table pressed against the wall. There was something looming over it, a long, thin dagger dangling magically in midair. Agatha ran her fingers along the cold, smooth surface of the table and thought all the blank headstones behind her house waiting for bodies. Sophie's eyes fixed on the hovering knife, eerily still a few feet above the white slab. That's when she saw it wasn't a knife at all. It's pen, she said softly. It was made of pure steel and shaped like a knitting needle. Lethally sharp at both ends, one side of the pen was engraved with a deep flowing script that ran unbroken from tip to tip. Suddenly the pen caught a silver of sunlight and scattered blinding gold rays in every direction. Agatha turned from the glare when she stood back so he was climbing on the table. Sophie, no. Happy. Hmm. Sophie walked towards the pen, eyes wide, body rigid. The world dissipated in a blur of grey around her. All that remained was the shimmering spindle-sharp pen. Strange words reflected in her glazed eyes. Somewhere inside, she knew what they meant. She reached for the tip. Don't, Agatha cried. 
Sophie's skin kissed ice cold blood about to pierce through. Agatha tackled her and both girls crashed to the table. Sophie broke from her trance, peered at Agatha suspiciously. I'm on a table with you. You were about to touch it, Agatha said. Huh? Why would I touch a... Her eyes drifted up to a pen, which was no longer still. It dangled an itch, inch from their faces, pointing between them with its deadly sharp tip as if weighing who to kill first. Don't move, Agatha said, between the clenched teeth. The pen seared hot red. Move, she cried. The pen plunged and both girls rolled off the table only to see the razor-sharp nib lurched to a stop just before it, before it hit stone. Puff of black, black smoke and books suddenly appeared on the table beneath it. Bound with a cherry red wood, the pen flipped the cover open to first blank page and it began to write. Once upon a time, there were two girls, the same elegant script as all the others, a brand new fairy tale. Sophie and Agatha gaped from the floor, terrified. Now that's odd, said a gentle voice. The girls whipped around again. No one there. Students at my school train and toil for four years venture into the woods, seek their nemesis, fight vicious battles, all just for hope the historian might tell their story. The girls spun around. No one in the room at all. But then they saw their shadows merge on the wall into the crooked shadow that kidnapped them. The girls turned slowly, and here it starts one for two first-year unskilled, untrained, clumsy intruders, said the schoolmaster. He wore a silver robes that billowed over his hunched, slender frame, hiding his hands and feet. A rusted crown set off center on his head of thick, ghostly white hair. A gleaming silver mask covered every last shred of his face, revealing only twinkling blue eyes and wide, full lips curled in a mischievous smile. It must suspect a good ending. The historian dove to the page. One was beautiful and beloved and the other was lonely hag. I like our stories, Sophie said. It hasn't gotten to the part where your prince punches you, said Agatha. Homeward ho, Sophie sulked. So thanks again to Kavya's mom for reading that section of the book for us. Uh, now let's talk a little bit about the School for Good and Evil and the things that we enjoyed about it. So first off, could one of you tell me about the main characters of this book? Who are the main characters and what are they like? So one of the main characters is Sophie, and she's a girl who wants to always look good and everything. And she always likes to wear makeup and clothes and likes to look fancy. And she likes to read fairy tales like Cinderella, Ariel, and Sophie has heard about the schoolmaster, 
and the sudden arrival, and she does everything in her power to be able to be chosen. Cool. So you mentioned the the schoolmaster. Kira, can you tell me a little bit about what Emily's talking about with the schoolmaster? What's the basic premise of this book? Um, so the basic premise of this book is that there's this person that this village calls the schoolmaster, and basically what he does is every, like, four years, he takes two kids to the school for good and evil, one for good and one for evil, and there they learn to, like, build their fairy tale. Yeah. Um, in addition to Sophie, there's one other character that we should know about right off the bat. Who's that, Pavia? Um, so Agatha is someone who um, hates attention, but somehow she's Sophie's best friend, and she wants to go to the school of evil, but then she finds her fortunes reversed. And she is, in, and she goes to the school of good. Yeah. So um, each of these characters has some desires early on in the book. Um, they want to go to certain schools. Can you talk a little bit about these different schools? There's a school for good, and there's a school for evil. Um, what are those all about? Um, so the school for good is basically, you know, like princesses and princes, and they're teaching them how to be like royals, while the school for evil is like witches and a bunch of people who like feel like they aren't really placed correctly, and they aren't really that special. They're just trying to ruin somebody's fairy tale because that's kind of part of it. Early on in this book, um, we find out that, you know, kids get taken from this place every year to go to this school and no one ever comes back. At the beginning of the book, what did you think about the, the possibility that Sophie and Agatha would be able to get back away from the school for good and evil? Um, I don't really think there could have been a possibility for them to be able to go back. Um, and... Um, some, nobody could come back to the woods in 200 years, so, and Galvedon is surrounded by wood, woods, and, yeah. So, Sophie and Agatha, once they get to the School for Good and Evil, what is their experience like there? Um... So Sophie and Agatha kind of have a mishap where they don't really expect where they're going. So when they show up, they're really surprised because this is not what they thought their fairy tale was going to look like. So they're really confused and they don't feel like they fit in with the school that they're surrounded by. One of the quotes that really stood out to me in this book, um, and I'm wondering if any of you can talk about what you think it means, it said, only once you destroy who you think you are, can you embrace who you truly are. What do you think that has to do with the ultimate message that this book is trying to get across? Maybe each of you can answer this one. Give your own interpretation. Um, well, I think it means, it kind of means that they have a little bit, because they're not in the school they want to be in. They're faking what they are, and they're not really being what their fairy tale should be like. So, like, once they figure out what it takes to be the person they need to be to finish off the story, it might be a bit better for them. 
Um, so our etiquette means that, like, they might, um, like, I'm going to what Kira said. Um, they're not like they truly are, um, until, like, um, they go to the school and then they start, they, like, they fit in, they start fitting in. And, like, they kind of find how they truly are when they're in the schools. One of our listeners, Paige, wants to know about whether the main characters have any other friends or maybe any other people that they meet along the way. Who are some of the other characters that we might want to know about? Um, so for each side, they have like people that you think of them as allies, but you really had to get farther into the book to understand that. But for Sophie, she meets these two people that really help her as she starts to grow more evil. So Hester is somebody who was born into an evil family and obviously feels like she knows her destiny, but she doesn't really yet since she's still learning. And then Agatha, she doesn't really fit in as much as Sophie is starting to at her school. So she doesn't have a lot of people around her. The one person that really like starts to adapt to her is Tedros, um, and he's King Arthur's son. Uh, a number of our listeners are interested in what the evil people are like. So what makes the school for evil evil? So Miles... Luke and a number of other people are wondering about this. Well, they learn about like things that can make them evil and ways to try to have like the princesses not be able to like kind of be able to be the winning of like a fairy tale. And um, they they do spells and like things evil. Um, early on. Sophie feels like maybe she's placed in the wrong school. Can you talk about what that experience is like for her, um, feeling like she's not placed in the right place? And you know, why did she want to be in the school for good? And, and what is it like for her in the school for evil? Well, Sophie wants to be in the school for good because she thinks she's good. But then she like becomes more evil than she actually is. And then on the other hand, we have Agatha. And, you know, Agatha didn't think that this was her destiny to go here. She didn't have some idea of what her life was going to become. But she still works hard to get good grades at the school. Why do you think that is? Um, I think that Agatha is, even though she might look evil, she doesn't really act evil. She still has, like, a heart and still cares. And for Sophie, she's kind of flunking out at the school. She doesn't work her hardest in everything that she does. All she's trying to do is prove that she's good, but that's not really helping her. And Agatha is, like, maintaining her grades, and she's surprising a lot of people to show that, like, she's different than they think she is. Early on in the book, there's a character who judges Agatha, and that character's name is Beatrix. Can you tell me a little bit more about Beatrix and what she's like and what role she plays in the story? So Beatrix is a girl and she, all the boys like her and she wants to make good impressions to the teachers so she can have like a good fairy tale. 
and she doesn't be that nice to Agatha. Um, one other character that we meet a little bit later in the book is uh, an alley of Sophie's, and that character's name is Hester. Could you tell me a little bit about Hester? Um, so Sophie meets Hester, and he helps her cause more trouble. And Sophie um, acts like she doesn't like Hester. And then when you go farther in the book, she helps Hester um, and becomes Hester's friend. Um, one of you mentioned before we started talking that you thought the cover art for this book was really interesting and maybe revealed a little bit about it. Could you talk about what this cover looks like and, and how that gives us a hint of what's going on in the book? Um, so the cover is really... Um, it's like dark, so because you're kind of looks like you're surrounded by forests and stuff like that, which they are. And it has these two buildings. One looks good, one looks evil. And he really put a lot of detail into that. But then the thing that switches your mind is that when you look at the cover, that you have the two girls and you can see what they look like, but they have these like swans above them that aren't the correct color. So that really helps you realize, like, it makes you start to wonder, what is this all about? Like, why isn't, why doesn't this look correct? Absolutely. Um, one of the things that really stood out to me in this book, and I don't want us to spoil anything, but there is this quote right here. And maybe you can tell me a little bit about what it has to do with the novel. It says, what's the one thing evil can never have and the one thing good can never do without? How does that quote play into this novel? What is its role? Um, so this quote really brings out something because it makes Sophie and Agatha really wonder and it changes a couple of their minds like thinking they don't want to go home. They want to get an answer and it really helps them learn and grow throughout the book because they're trying to figure out like what what can I not have, but my enemy can have? If you were going to rate this book, what rating would you give it and why? I would give it a nine, I mean a 10, because it's really good and it's a lot of fantasy and I like fantasy. I would rate it a nine out of 10 because it is really good and um, I'd probably give it also a nine. I thought it was a really good book, but sometimes it like the things that it said were a bit confusing and it didn't really make you think about the book. It kind of just added like felt like it was something just added on. And this is uh, part of a series, right? Yes. So if people like this first book, they can go on and uh, read the rest of them. Um, outside of this series of books, if you were going to recommend a book to people, what do you think you would recommend? Um, maybe if you like fairy tale and fantasy, The Land of Stories is always a good book because that's also um, says a lot about things like that and also is a lot of fairy tales there. I would also recommend The Keeper of the Lost City. I would recommend Fish in a Tree because it's a really good book. Awesome. Well, that's all the time that we have today. Thank you again to Emily, Kavya, and Kira for discussing um, the School for Good and Evil.